Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome to Wednesday night. And if it's a Wednesday night here on Behind the Steel Curtain, it's time for Know Your Enemy, the show where we shift our focus from the last game the Steelers played to our next upcoming game. We're looking this week at the Atlanta Falcons. I'm your host, as always, Jeffrey Benedict. Here with me, as always, Shannon White. Shannon, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. Uh, just a uh... Getting colder here in West Virginia. Started out up in the 50s, and now we're in the 30s. It's been late. Yeah, it's it's gotten colder here, too. <laughs> With us to talk about the Falcons, Gina Thomas. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you so much. It's even cold here in Atlanta. Um, it's mm-hmm. in the 50s, but that is cold for us. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a big cold for you. The the Falcons have had interesting uh an interesting season this year, definitely to say the least. But one thing uh we've been talking about with a lot of our guests on here is is the number of teams that have moved on from a veteran quarterback. And Atlanta just moved on from Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, of course, we just faced him uh in Indianapolis. What is it like? Life after Matt Ryan? How is it doing? And, and does any do people in Atlanta have a little they feel like Matt Ryan should have stayed or do they feel like that, that kind of went badly or, or is it, was it time to move on? Um, I think that it's a combination of both. I think, you know, looking at Matt Ryan's um, age and looking at the quality of his play in Indianapolis this year, I think it's safe to say that probably was not a bad move for the team to move on. Now, how it happened when they put Ryan in a position of kind of being forced to seek a trade because they were attempting to trade for Deshaun Watson um, and then only being able to get a third for him. You know, people aren't delighted about that part of it. But in general, you know, I think that starting fresh, um, especially if Desmond Ritter is able to take over as the starting quarterback potentially next season, having a young guy on his rookie deal is a great way to build a, a team that's actually competitive. And so I think in the grand scheme, it's it's a net positive. And I think that, you know, people are sorry about the way that it happened with Matt and certainly wish him the best in Indianapolis. But um, I think in general, people are you know, fine with moving on. Yeah, I was kind of shocked to see Matt Ryan leave because Matt Ryan was kind of like Ben was here in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have those guys that are legends. They're, you know, he MVP season. You know, if he would have won that Super Bowl, I, I think that he would be viewed even differently 
mm-hmm. you know, that, and, and not saying that was his fault, obviously, but <laughs> when in the draft, Ritter was a guy coming out of Cincinnati that I was really thought the Steelers would be interested in. We're going to do a second, third round draft pick on a quarterback. And I was really impressed with him at Cincinnati, uh, his leadership and, uh, he was cool under pressure. A lot of the same qualities that Kenny Pickett has. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he hasn't got to play since the preseason, but what did you see in the preseason out of Ritter to give you hope for the future? Well, I think that a lot of it was that poise and that calmness, um, which I have to say, even for a veteran quarterback, is not something that necessarily comes naturally behind a line that's as porous as Atlanta's has been. Um, the fact that he was able to maintain composure behind, you know, basically – four and a half turnstiles. <laughs> very, very impressive. I am not a draft analyst, but I did, in my opinion, see uh, Ritter as the most NFL ready quarterback out of last year's group. And so I'm honestly, I think that uh, many Falcons fans agree with me. We're pretty confused as to why we haven't seen him yet. I feel like we've certainly seen enough of what Marcus Mariota can do. I would love to see what Ritter can do. Um, and so it's, it's, kind of confusing right now because it's up in the air like are they seeing something in practice that's holding them back do they really think that Mariota is their best chance to make the playoffs um yeah I have no idea but I in the preseason I think that we did see like you said that poise and that composure from Ritter and that's really really rare with a rookie quarterback mm-hmm. yeah it is uh, the offense <laughs> that the Falcons are running right now is interesting. I looked, I just, just looking through, I, I know I, I've seen, I've seen highlights. I've, I don't, I haven't watched many of their games, so I know kind of how it looks, but just looking at the leaders in statistics, obviously your passing leader is Marcus Mariota, the runner. I'm trying to get their name. I'm going to try and get their names here. Right. Tyler Algier, fifth round mm-hmm. pick. He was a good college player. Your leading receiver is Olamide Zacchaeus. Mm-hmm. Olamide. Olamide. I'm sorry. Olamide Zacchaeus. Yes. Like these, these are not names you expect to be doing well. When and what the surprising thing for me was when you look at the the stats, the Falcons are scoring and moving the ball better over the course of this season than the Steelers are. And then you look from that list, like Marcius Mariota, obviously kind of an afterthought in the quarterback scramble of this past season. And then two guys no one expected to be doing too much this year uh and you look at the Steelers where you've got like first round picks and Kenny Pickett Najee Harris you've got second round picks and George Pickens you've got a pro bowler and Deontay Johnson you've got a rebuild offensive line and we're scoring fewer points than the Atlanta Falcons offense what is what is working for the Atlanta Falcons offense very, very few things are actually working, but one thing that is, is the run game. Um, you know, the run game's been phenomenal. Obviously, Cordero Patterson missed some time. Otherwise, I think that he would probably be the leading yeah. rusher, but um, Algier was able to really step in. Caleb Huntley is another guy who stepped up. Uh, I think that Arthur Smith is really brilliant with scheming for run game success. And so even with a with a line that's still a little bit subpar in the passing game, especially um, the run blocking has been much better this year so you know honestly that's the main thing I mean Kyle Pitts is out for the rest of the season he's going to have to have his knee scoped but even before he went out and before he was injured he wasn't getting a lot of attention in the passing game um you know Drake London is another guy who hasn't 
performed up to what I expected uh, out of his draft status, that's more based on game planning for some reason. I'm not sure why they haven't been bigger factors in the game plans, but it's also just Mariota is really inaccurate. I mean, I've seen him overthrow Kyle Pitts by like 30 feet and it doesn't make any sense. So really I, the, the Falcons offensive <laughs> success this year comes from that run game primarily. Any, any success in the passing game seems more like pure luck. <laughs> Mariota had a lot of people thought he might be coming to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, some people, uh, it was either Trubisky or Mariota was kind of like on everybody's wish list. Mm-hmm. And I think if Mariota would have come to Pittsburgh, you'd have seen a run heavy offense uh, here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is, you know, London hasn't put up the numbers. What did the receiver call? Like I said, 100 some yards and 20 some catches prior to his injury. And that was in what, eight or nine games. Yeah. So it's like, you know, he he wasn't putting up the numbers he put up at all with Ryan. Mm -hmm. And I think that impacted him. And as you said, the the accuracy has definitely been an issue, but what, when you have got to see London in action, it actually being used. uh, What has been your impressions of him as a first round pick? He looks as good as advertised. I feel like he definitely, um, his ceiling is exactly where you would want it to be for a receiver who was picked where he was. I think that he has just tremendous potential. And especially if the Falcons um, moving forward, you know, in 2023 and beyond have a more efficient passer, I think that his numbers are going to explode. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been really, really pleased with that pick. I was a little bit surprised because at the time that they took him, like, I mean, Calvin Ridley was going to be out for the season mm-hmm. suspended for gambling. Um, but you know, I was like, I don't know that using another first round pick on a receiver right now makes the most sense, especially since they had just taken pits the previous season. But, um, yeah, he's he's been great, and now that Ridley is gone, it makes even more sense <laughs> that they mm-hmm. went ahead and got his replacement when they could. So it all worked out. Well, Shannon was talking about someone that he kind of wanted for Pittsburgh. Uh, a player I really wanted the Steelers to go after this past season was Corderell Patterson, mm-hmm. because the Steelers with the jet sweeps, with how they how they're using different players, and they use a wing back a lot. Uh, he really fit like what we could do. Now, he re-signs with Atlanta, and after a season where he had, I think he had like uh, 600 rushing yards and 500 receiving yards in 2021, he's not a receiver at all this year. Is he? Is that another function of the whole passing game is just down, or is that his usage as well? It's more that the passing game is down, and it's more that they're having so much more success um, in the run game. And... Um, the other thing with Patterson is that he was placed on injured reserve. He just came back a couple of weeks ago. So there's also, you know, a span of, I can't remember if it's four or five games that he was out. So that's going to impact those numbers too. But um, yeah, I mean, just in general, the passing game is not working very well this year and that's impacting everybody's numbers. Yeah. In his, since he's come back, he also broke the all time uh, kick return touchdown record. So uh, that's awesome. I mean, because he's so great at it. He really is. He um, is. I wrote an article in the in the offseason uh, wanting to see the Steelers try to pick him up when he was a free agent because, as uh, GB was mentioning, you know, when, when you think about the guys who run the venture can be used out of the backfield in so many different ways. you got Debo Samuel and you got Patterson. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, and I, you know, I, I was really coveting him. I thought he would be such an addition, but he really loves Atlanta, and he said he wanted to stay there. And, he does, yeah. It just he seems does. like such a great guy. I mean, you know, you we've seen so many things that he's done for the community, and you know, the one shot with the kid after the game. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. just impossible not to like the guy. So, yeah. Um, what do you feel like? I don't even remember what kind of, what the length of it was, but uh, do you feel like that Rid, uh, Ritter showed a connection with uh, his receivers during that preseason? If he did, who do you feel like he showed the, you know, was it London or who was it he showed the best connection with? Oh my gosh. Uh, trying to remember preseason specifics. <laughs> that is a, that is a tall order. Um, if I am remembering correctly, I think that it was, um, I think that it was Frank Darby and um, Alameda Zacchaeus that he primarily seemed to have better connections with. But honestly, I, I do not remember preseason. I'm amazed that I remember earlier this morning. To be honest. <laughs> oh, you and me both. <laughs> All right. Uh, you talked about the offensive line. Uh, Hart, would do you do you think the the run games like the offensive success in the run game is it more about the scheme, the the quarterback mobility, or is this is this a case of like the offensive line is just that good? Because I I think of like the Baltimore Ravens where they they mm-hmm. they're able to run the ball. The offensive line doesn't have to be great. And then, right. you, like, Steeler fans, we all remember 2004 when, like, Ben Roethlisberger was a rookie, and the Steelers' offensive line was so good, they just lined up and gained four or five yards every play, even though you knew what was coming. Uh, is, is, this a, is this a more modern run offense when we get to see this? Are we looking for uh, jet sweeps and all kinds of motions and, and wide receivers getting involved, or is this more of just line up and smash the other team in the face? Yeah, it's, it's more, um, it's more of a modern running offense. And I think that, you know, Arthur Smith is, uh, he's, he's got a long background with the offensive line coaching it. um, And that makes a huge difference. And so I think that he's just been able to scheme really intelligently because really the talent on the Falcons offensive line leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, You know, you've got, um, what is his name drawing a blank uh drafted him out of boston college a few years ago uh Mm. anyway completely drawing a blank and then jake matthews uh so you know uh right guard and left tackle are good but um other than that you know there's it's a lot of new faces so there's not a lot of consistency there um the cohesion hasn't been there so i think it's more the ability of the running backs a lot of the success in the running game and i've got to give credit to mariota when it's due is he does have the ability to extend plays um he i I, it's a really special talent of his and 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 that line has made him use it quite a bit this season so (laughs) but yeah so that that's helped a lot too not trying to change subjects, but talking about the deep next year, <laughs> TJ Watt had more total sacks than the Falcons had. If, if I ain't mistaken, I think it was close. Um, and that's so I don't get to, right. you know, I don't get to watch them a lot. And when I do, it's high scoring games, Ooh, you know, that's what made me turn it on because it's like 35 31, and you know, so, um, have the Falcons been able to generate any kind of pass rush this year? So do you remember John Abraham played for the Jets years and years ago, then yep. came to Atlanta? Yep. All right. The Falcons have not had a really quality pass rusher since he 
stop playing for the Falcons. And that's been a good decade, at least. <laughs> um, obviously, yeah. Grady Jarrett is a name that a lot of Steelers fans are going to be familiar with, mm -hmm. the defensive tackle. He is excellent. He is able to bring a lot of pressure up the middle. Um, they've done a better job rushing the passer this year uh, than they have in previous years. You know, they're still not um, getting to the quarterback with any, like, consistency, but they have definitely improved. Um, one of the names that we're going to be watching really closely on the Falcons injury report this week is Arnold Abiketti, who is one of their edge rushers. And um, if he's out, it could be a long day for the defense because they really can't afford to be missing anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on that defense, there's been a decent bit of turnover, like the linebacker core mm -hmm. uh, was kind of rebuilt. How has that worked out for the for the Falcons? Have they done pretty well? I think that they have. Um, yeah, this is the second year, obviously, for them under Dean P's direction as the defensive coordinator. We've definitely seen improvement on that side of the ball. Um, you know, the biggest, I, I think, challenge for Atlanta this year has been injuries. They've, you know, the, the, um, the defensive backfield has pretty much been decimated, you know, here and there throughout the season. Um, and so that's been really difficult to overcome. But the, I think that even with the departures, um, you know, losing those veteran players like Deion Jones, I, I still think that we've seen improvement. I think that the, the pieces that they've added are really good fits for P's defense and what he wants them to be doing out there. What do you think is the strength of the, the, Falcons defense this year. The Steelers really struggle with, you know, which I know the Falcons have a few. Uh, that gives them more trouble than than the edge rushers a lot of times. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I'm not that familiar with the, the Falcons defense this year. What would you say their strength is? And then, you know, corresponding question, what is their biggest weakness? Yeah, the secondary has been, I think, the biggest strength. Um, and that part of that is that they've, you know, on the front end been able to improve getting more pressure on quarterbacks. Um, but and injuries are, have been the biggest thing that's held the secondary back. But in general, like they've been a really scrappy unit, both the safeties and the cornerbacks. They've played really well this year. AJ Terrell, I think, is one of the best young corners in the in the league. Um, you know, he doesn't always have a ton of interceptions because they don't throw at him. Um mm -hmm. And so I think that that's probably about the highest praise that a, that a cornerback can get their weakness, giving up big plays. Um, and so that worries me. I, I know that uh, Najee Harris is on the injury report, but the Steelers have a lot of dynamic players that I think could really take advantage of, of that weakness. Um, you know, they've, this team has struggled against the run. Um, I was terrified to face Justin Fields. <laughs> I guess that that was last weekend. Um, just because I, I knew I knew that it was going to be ugly. So yeah, the the run game, uh, the run defense, and then just you know giving up big plays has been kind of a perpetual thorn in Falcons fan sides with this defense. How's the Falcons defense uh, do against like tight ends and running backs out of the backfield as receivers? Um, it, they're hit or miss, and uh, those are a lot of times the plays that the teams will be able to take advantage of them on. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was, I've been, I've been looking at that. We're, we're, the Steelers offense is kind of finding a bit of a rhythm these last few weeks mm -hmm. uh, and running heavily through, you know, Pat Fryer moves. Uh, so, so that's something I keep looking for with uh, what, what is, what is the best chance in your mind for the Falcons coming to this game? Like what, what's their game plan to win this football game? 
What's their like their how do they how do they go about trying to win here? I my guess is establish the run um and you know just pray that Mariota can be accurate enough just to keep the Steelers from being able to stack the box and slow them down on the ground. Um and yeah, I think every Falcons fan will be praying every time any Steelers receiver or running back touches the ball. <laughs> We'll just hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell? I'm, I'm not at all confident in this team. Like, they have been a fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. They are a team with a lot of flaws. Well, the way it's, you know, the way things have went down this year, they're right there in the, the playoff chance. Mm-hmm. They can win the division. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, is do you feel like the fan base is, you know, excited about that? Or at some do you Some think that of them are. They're saying, okay, we're mathematically in there because we're in a bad division. Yeah. And I mean, some some fans are excited. Obviously, you don't get a chance to win anything if you don't make it into the mm-hmm. postseason. So, I, and there's something to be said for that. And I mean, obviously, for Arthur Smith and the rest of his um, coaching staff uh, in year two, you know that your leash is getting shorter. So, um, that's another factor. Like, I think that people would like for Smith to stick around for a couple of years and be able to get the personnel on offense that he needs to really run the scheme that he wants to run. Um, but also, like, if the Falcons make the playoffs, that means that we are going to have to watch the Falcons in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have a lot of bad memories associated with watching the Falcons in the playoffs. So I think that we are all like, it'll be nice if it happens. And if it doesn't happen, it's kind of a relief because we don't have any more, you know, terrible playoff memories to make. <laughs> now, the Steelers and Falcons actually have some, uh, some good history playing each other. I, I am always immediately go back uh, to the 2002 matchup that ended with an, with a tie in overtime that was basically just the Steelers passing game going crazy and Michael Vick just being like nope we're going to we're going to match we're going to match that uh do 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 you as a Falcons fan have have some good memories of matchups with the Steelers from the past um i'm trying to think you know, no specific games stand out to me. I should say I became a Falcons fan in 2005. So it's not like I've been a Falcons fan my entire 46 years. Um, I grew up in Ohio. I was spared uh, for some reason. Becoming a Browns fan did not happen for me. Um, you know, my sympathies to the rest of my family, but not me. And um, so well, good. Anyway, you escaped so, that. You escaped yeah, that. And, and so the Falcons have only played the Steelers so many times since 2005. Yeah. So yeah, no, no specific memories are jumping out at me. Okay. You know, we uh, was talking earlier, the, you know, the Falcons still being in the playoff hunt, uh, which is a positive development. And it, it keeps it interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an enthusiasm there. Like the Steelers. This isn't a playoff season. And it's, it's hard for people to accept that. They're like, well, if they win the rest of the games, if they win out, they still can sneak in mathematics. But, you know, I've accepted it for a while now. But mm-hmm. uh, so we're, you know, it's a different mindset. But mm-hmm. do you, I think that if the Falcons were eliminated already, I think you would see Ritter. That he would I do have, too. They, they've already would have went to him. But don't you believe that's why that they're sticking with Mariota? 
I do. Um, I think that that's exactly why. Uh, I think that Arthur Smith knows that he his job is more secure if they do make the playoffs, even if they don't make it out of the out of the wild card round. Um, and I think that he doesn't want to put a rookie in that position behind this particular offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the thing is, I think that there is something to be said for not rushing a rookie starter out there. I think that we've seen it with some players like um, Jared Goff, who I do not think was you know, NFL ready when he became the starter for the Rams. And I think that it can really harm a young player's development. So as much as I would like to see what they have in Ritter, I do understand that, you know, they are trying to get to postseason um, as disastrous as that might be. And I, I really don't want them to rush him out there and impact his development in any negative way, because I think he could be the guy of the future for development. I think you might be muted. He's muted. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I, I saw mute you that for talking. Definitely. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. We're going to take our break right here and go have a little commercial, and we will be right back here in a minute. So if you're on us, if you're here with us in YouTube or Facebook, just stay stay tuned. And if you're on us with the podcast, we'll be back in a moment. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And we're back. Now, the Falcons-Steelers matchup this week is obviously two teams that that aren't doing the best, aren't having the greatest results here. Falcons still in the mix. Steelers probably not with how Baltimore and and Cincinnati are going right now. Do you think think that the Falcons are, are going to push for this division win? If you had to call it right now, if you had to call and say, hey, are they going to win this division? Uh, who, who do you think is going to win here in the I NFC think, South? I hate to say this. Um, I think that it's going to be the Buccaneers. Uh, you know, you never count out touchdown Tom as much as I would like to. I wish that he would retire. I just want him to go away. But since he has not done any of that yet, I do think that he will pull it together and lead them to a, a very <laughs> embarrassing division win. Cause no matter what the record's going to be ugly, whoever does win. So yeah, I think that I don't think the Falcons will pull off the division win, not with Tom Brady in the division, at least it won't be the Saints. So that's a comfort to me. <laughs> it's, that's an interesting thing because for Steeler fans, like he left the AFC and we're like, we don't care what he does now. It's yeah. fine. Go do it. Cause we don't have to face you. Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry about him. Uh, yeah. And so, so I much. went from, I went from 28 to three to yeah. having to having my team play him twice a year. It's like, he's yeah. doing this specifically to spite me. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like he's it. Like, he's like, now I just hate the Falcons. Now it's just time to ruin your lives Atlanta. <laughs> Nobody can convince me otherwise. <laughs> wow. Well, that's one great thing that, the Steelers and Falcons fans have in common yeah, that's... because, uh, you know, he tormented the Steelers for many years. Uh, he was the roadblock that the Steelers couldn't get over. 
And, uh, you know, I still have nightmares of Gronkowski taunting uh, Sean Davis and anybody else that was unfortunate enough to try. Um, the Buccaneers have, have not looked the same this year. They've lost some of their offensive line, uh, which he desperately needs to protect him, mm-hmm. especially at this age. Mm-hmm. And then they had some other injuries. But as you say, they're getting healthy now. And uh, in that division, they look like they could pull away there in the, the second half here. Yeah, I mean, um, everybody in the division is kind of a disaster. So it is anybody's <laughs> to win. But I think that Tom Brady has the best shot of leading his team to that win. That feels like a bit of a flashback. The NFC South, like every team yeah, in the NFC is, South being a disaster. <laughs> yeah, It is the weirdest division in football. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, so before we let you go here, we want to get your prediction for this game uh how do you see this game going and and if you're if you're willing to do it give us a final score prediction Mm -hmm. uh i know that the falcons are favored i think that they it's it's they're slightly favored i don't even think DraftKings gave them the full three points for being at home um i don't buy that for a minute i think that the steelers won this one i think that it's you know not a blowout or anything i'm gonna say somewhere in the ballpark of uh, 24 to 17. Okay. Yeah, that would be a disappointment for both Steeler fans who are hoping to to get into a higher draft pick situation. We're <laughs> out of the playoffs. This year. The Falcons would just be like, no, we're not. We're, we're, yeah. We don't want to win this. <laughs> yeah, it, it would actually be the worst case scenario for both teams. So <laughs> that's probably how it will go. <laughs> Sounds about right. All right, before we let you go, let us know where, let all our listeners know where they can find your work and where they can see more of you. Well, I do less writing these days because I primarily focus on editing. Um, but when I do write, you can find me at either the Falcoholic or SBNation.com. Um, I have a, a segment that's going to air this week on our local Fox affiliate that I'll tweet. You can follow me on Twitter at Gina Thomas. Um, but that just talking about the Falcons and the upcoming games. So that might be of interest to Steelers fans. And um, I guess I don't have to tell anybody here that you should definitely be reading behind the steel curtain. It is the best Steelers blog on the internet. Well, thank you for the plug. Thank you very much. <laughs> we, I happen to agree with you on that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so very much for coming on. It's been a thank delight you. having you. Thank and, you for uh, having me. Best of luck. And I hope week 17 Playing you when you're placing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or week 18, sorry, week 18 now. I, I hope we're uh, rooting for you to knock them out of the playoffs. That's that's, well, fingers, that's what I really hope. Fingers crossed. And yeah, week 17 is the Saints. So that's actually my Super Bowl. So um, <laughs> good luck to Atlanta that week, too. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much, much for coming on. We'll let you go. And Shannon and I will finish up here. All right. Great. Have a great evening. You too. Bye. All right, Shannon. One thing I wanted to get your get, talk to you about is facing Atlanta. I feel like we're going to face the offense that Matt Canada kind of wishes he had, right? Like, like I want people to watch this offense with Arthur Smith because they don't have the talent that the Steelers have on offense. I think the Steelers' yeah. offense is more talented than the Falcons' offense. They're a very run-heavy program. They do a lot of the motion. They do a lot of the different things. And they are scoring significantly more than the Steelers with a much worse passing game. Mm-hmm. 
what are your thoughts on that? And is is this a game where we can really look at this and say, yeah, is Matt Canada like good enough? Is this a good game to judge him by being able to see an opposing offense with less talent? It just goes to show you that it ain't all about talent. I've always said the stewards are too superstar dependent and not scheme driven. Uh, Atlanta's perfect evidence of that. They're successful because they do what isn't expected. You know, it's a, you know, the rules changes that now everybody's got to throw the ball and, and you got to have Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Well, you know, Atlanta shows that you don't have to have that. If Atlanta had a better defense, they would be better than their record right now because oh, yeah. they are scoring. They've lost some high-scoring shootouts because their defense let them down in the end. So, um, you know, I think the Steelers match up well. The The Steelers' run defense has been improved this year with uh, Ogunjobi and, and um, uh, you know, Amick this year. But, you know, you watch him, and, and he's still tying up blockers, and he's still very strong against the run. And now with, with Watt and, and everybody, you know, getting healthier, I think that they're going to match up well. And if they can stop it, and I, I running attack, I'm not too concerned, as you said, with their passing attack. Um, I just think that the, the Steelers got to continue to have balance. The last few games, they've, they've had a really good balance. They haven't yeah. been overly dependent on – you know, pick it throwing 40 plus times a game. That's just not a, a recipe you wrote in an article this week, I think, about how that, uh, about how the Steelers, you're used to pick it like the Steelers used being his rookie year. And, you know, and it's working. Uh, it's not putting too much on him and letting him, you know, kind of be a young game manager. He's protecting the football. And, um, you know, you see the improvement, and it's all based off that offensive line. Uh, I was in a discussion today with a guy, and I said, I think that, you know, they're running different run sets. You know, it, it ain't all uh, – you know, that's not something that's common in Canada's offense. So I think that, that we're seeing some other influences come in to the, those game plans. And, uh, and the offensive line is responding – and then you've seen four different running backs, you know, within the last few weeks, and they've all had success. So that's what Pickett needs because you see the poise. You see the accuracy. You see uh, the it factor is what I call it. I mean, it's you know, he's he looks less and less like a rookie each week. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers don't have to worry about, you know, using another first-round pick. Uh, on a quarterback, and they can really focus on building the foundation, and it's going to speed up the rebuild, and it's going to bode well for the future. Yeah, go with specifically what you were referencing. That uh, I was I was looking up stats, and when Kenny Pickett throws the ball thirty-one times or more, the Steelers are zero and four, and when he throws the ball thirty or fewer times, they're three and zero. Which yeah. the stat with Ben was uh, one his first three seasons in the league, he was one and eight, and he started. Oh, and six, his first six games, he threw more than 30 times. He lost Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, and six in his first. That's, that's how it goes. And he was like 33, some ridiculous number, like 33 and four with a Super Bowl win when he threw less than 30 times in a game. Like that's the, that's the secret. 
Mm -hmm. right? If you can do that with a young quarterback, you can win. You take him when he's older. He had a winning record when he threw more than 30 times, but it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't crazy great, but it was, it was good. And then when he threw 30 or, or less, it was even better, but it's, some of that's the nature of the NFL, but especially when you have a young quarterback, you can't just say, Kenny Pickett, go out there, throw 50 times and we'll win the game. You can't. He can make plays, but he's not going to make plays every single snap. He's not there yet. He's a young guy. So I think you're absolutely right in that. The Steelers do need to make sure they're balanced. And with that question, the big, big question coming up, I think, this week is if Najee they're saying he might be back. If he's not back, or even if he's back and he's not 100%, he's not running well. Uh, Jalen Warren doesn't look to be back. If it comes down to it, do you think Anthony McFarland and Benny Snell can do what they did in that game again? Because if if people haven't looked at the stats, they both averaged five yards a carry. They haven't done that. Each of them has like one or two games where they've done that in their career. <laughs> McFarland's never done it. Benny Snell's done it like twice. And they were in 2019, right? That's like with that old offensive line before the offensive line fell apart. Do you think that's that they can do that? And if, and if they can, does that say something about, you know, maybe the value of Najee Harris right now? I don't know if you remember, and we was talking about, you know, how the stores were, you know, building this team. And, and I said, well, I don't want to judge the skill position players, especially the running backs, because, you know, if you if your offensive line is not opening holes and you're not having and they're not creating running lanes increases, I mean, it's hard for anybody outside of a Derek or even Derek Henry, you know, Cincinnati just shut him down uh by making sure, you know, they, they stopped him. They didn't let him build momentum. And I've seen the Steelers shut down Earl Campbell back in the day. So you know, you the offensive line is critical. And I said, well, let's at least start wait to judge these guys till they run behind at least an average offensive line. Right now, currently, I think the Steelers are an average offensive line, and they have the potential to be a little above average by the end of this season uh, if they keep on their current trajectory. So um, I like the usage of three or four running backs. Um, you know, if a guy – you know, a lot of teams, like you look at the Cowboys with Elliott and, and Pollard, uh, some matchups Pollard is more effective. And, you know, the Cowboys will go with both, but they will, you know, base the usage on who's being most successful. I'd like to see the Steelers do that with Harrison Warren. But you seen that Snell and McFarland had fresh legs. They hadn't been used at all outside of, you know, special teams. So, uh, if Harris can't go, um, yeah, I think that Atlanta's run defense is not stout. And I, I think that the Steelers uh, can continue to have success, even if it is Snell and McFarland. Okay. Uh, live chat pointed out to me. I double-checked it. Yeah, Jalen Warren was back to practice day. He says he expects to play against the Falcons. Uh, Najee Harris was, did, was, I think he was out this practice game, but – I was wrong about that. Jalen Warren is expected to be back this game. Uh, but behind him, I mean, we know Benny Snell is going to be on the roster, even if he's not playing running back, even if he's not mm. running, he's going to be a special teamer. So we'll see how that all balances out and what might come of Anthony McFarland this week. But uh, Jalen Warren expected to be back. 
I, I do agree with you with the, the Falcons run defense being something they Steelers can attack. Uh, and I kind of, I kind of think that should be the focus of their game. I like the idea of this game coming down to like, if both teams are able to kind of balance controlling the clock, right? Cause the Falcons win, uh, the way, the way the Steelers won when the defense was bad, like 2015, 2016, when that Steelers defense wasn't good, but they were kind of hiding it by controlling the clock so much in those years with, with Brown and Bell and just long drives, just hold the ball, let the clock run down late every single time just to keep the number of drives down, to keep the pos- time of possession down. I, I used to point that out in articles that like the Steelers would be like ranked uh, higher in in their total defense. But when you look at the number of possessions the other team had, uh, they were lower because the Steelers ran the clock so well and just kept kept always sitting there playing till the bottom of the play clock before they'd even snap the ball and just regular every play just to keep their defense kind of off the field. Uh, back And those were, those were the same days that great offense couldn't average 30 points a game simply because they didn't have a lot of drives. Because they would do that to preserve the defense. Uh, To me, the best counter for the Falcons doing that, to cover for their bad defense by just controlling the clock, is to do it back to them. Control the clock back, run the ball on their guys, and say, yeah, okay, your defense is off the field, but you know what? When it gets on, we're going to do the same thing to them, and we're going to let our defense get a rest. Uh, I think that's the most important thing. We can't see these three and outs. For, for big stretches of the game, Shannon. Uh, do you agree with me there? Yeah. When the Steelers went into the bye week, uh, you know, I'd already accepted this is a rebuilding season. And I said there's more important things at stake than wins and losses. And I wanted to see improvements. And I said, you got to start small. And the first thing I said that the Steelers needed to focus on was time of possession. Getting in third and short. You know, don't have negative plays or, you know, incomplete passes, which is when they get in them three and out stretches, that's what happens. They no gain on first down, you know, two-yard gain on second down, and it's third and eight, and they don't convert. Uh, When they're doing well, they have positive plays on first and second down, and they're in third and three, third and two, and they're much more successful at converting those. Um. That's something I thought they should focus on. And they've come out in the since the bye week and they've been much more successful and at doing that. And you know, the points ain't coming as fast as we would like, but they are going up. You know, I said somebody was talking about touchdowns, but if you notice, he's had three drop touchdowns. So, you know, the numbers would be closer, you know, after those first eight interceptions in this first five games. Um, you know, it would be a much closer uh, if he would have had a little help. And, you know, the, even when they struggled that third quarter, uh, Monday night, there was some drops in there. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it, not every pass is perfect, you know, but if it's there and you get two hands on it and you're an NFL wide receiver, especially getting paid $17, $18 million a year, you got to catch these passes the NFL and, and, you know, it's hard to get first downs. And so I think that, you know, we're seeing picket progress. And one of the reasons why is better 
I, I think somebody's taking over part of the game planning and game calls, the play calls, because you're seeing more positive plays, more relying on the running game, uh, kind of putting the pressure on that offensive line to, you know, get it done. And they are. And so they're keeping all you're seeing left start struggling on both sides of the ball. It's because the offense keeps going three and out. So if they can avoid that, you know, and try to clean that up a little bit more, I think that they could, you know, get on a, a much more uh, effective and efficient streak to end this season, start scoring a little more points as well. That would be nice. <laughs> that would be nice. Uh what do you what do you see right now, Shannon, as the biggest problem with the p- biggest weakness and biggest problem on the Pittsburgh Steelers? What would you rank number one this point of the season as the biggest problem the Steelers need to figure out and solve? Oh boy, that's that's a tough one because we'll just stay on the offensive side of the ball. Okay, we'll fuck, then we can do the defense if you want to do it that way. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, I would still say the play calling, play design. Uh, everybody is wanting to give Canada credit for what we're uh, I think that, that there's been influence from Sullivan and some other guys um, because some of, the, some of the stuff still looks like Canada and other stuff doesn't resemble him stuff from the recent past. Uh, so it's hard for me to give him too much credit. Um, I think you're seeing Pickett mature, you know, each week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the offensive line is consistently – that's what I wanted to see, too. All year, they've gotten consistently better. In the past, even in 2020, they kind of peaked in the middle of the year. Yeah. And then teams caught up with them and they started going downhill. Now, at least, you're still seeing a weekly trend. If they do it again this week, that's even – I, I, I'd have to say the the man candidate might still be the store's biggest weakness. Well, I'll say at his best, Matt Canada was a mixture of plays that you would look at on film and be like, wow, okay, that was a great play. Like the design was great stuff. And you'll still see those. There'll be still be plays where you're like, wow, that was really well designed, really well done. You know, great job, Matt Canada. And then you'd see another play or even two plays that you're just like, wait, what What were you hoping to even accomplish with this play? Like, what was the point of this play? Like, what were you doing? We saw the other week we saw a jet sweep where there were no blockers, zero blockers on a jet sweep. It was like Bruce Arians naked wide receiver screens, but worked. <laughs> you know, you have that. Yeah. And then on the same game, you'd have some plays that you're like, wow, there's, there's one of those Matt Canada gems where it's just, it doesn't matter. The play's going to work because you can't defend it, right? And it's it's bizarre to me how how the same guy can come up with just absolute brilliant plays and then call some of the dumbest stuff where you're just looking at it and you're like, why would you, why would you draw that up? Why would you call that? One example, you know, and I know you've seen it, and third and one, shotgun. Um, You've had Pickett, who has converted quite a few quarterback sneaks mm-hmm. on third and one, fourth and one. You've got Benny Snell. Harris was out, but you got Benny Snell, who's a power runner, and he's really good. You've 
five for five on third and one, fourth and one converting. Perfect on the season. What do they do? They go shotgun on third and one and run Anthony McFarland, a guy known for his quicks and his elusiveness, not his power. That's mind-boggling to me. I was yeah. just sitting there, and I was looking around like, what? What? You know, I mean, I did that twice in the game. The other time was when Deontay Johnson catches a pass, could have easily turned up field and got the first down. He run completely all the way across. Again, a lot of it just backward stuff. You know, those two plays left me shaking my head. I was just like, that one is Johnson's decision-making, but the other is the play call. Why would you not at least be under center? Because there's four things you could do right there. Mm-hmm. If they did none of them, they did the one thing that you knew wasn't going to work. Now, who do you blame that on if it ain't Matt Canada? <laughs> yeah, and they just recently put on Phil, you know, like the, the jet sweep out of out of a power formation, a jet sweep on third and one that they converted the week before. Mm-hmm. Like, you've put this stuff on film to create threat, and then you come up to it and you're like, you know what they won't expect? <laughs> we'll go shotgun and run it. Well, they don't have they don't have to expect it. That's that's not hard to defend in the first place. How about the weak side screen to Gentry with Deontay Johnson as the blocker? Oh, that was oh. I mean, like you know, it's like okay, guys, they'll never see this one coming. They'll <laughs> never see this one coming. I said in the second half against the Bengals, I thought he outsmarted. Yeah of the Bengals adjustments and they didn't work at all. You know, he took the team out of the rhythm that they did have and didn't even give them a chance to establish it in the third quarter. Uh, but some of these play calls are maddening. Where do you think? Okay, so we're, we we spent a little time ripping on Canada after the Steelers <laughs> have actually improved their offense quite a bit. Uh, in spite of. Yeah. <laughs> where where do you think this offense would be if we had a good offensive coordinator? Do you, do you think this is a playoff caliber offense as built right now? Because I look at it, you know, Deontay Johnson, we t- we, do, we were just complaining about him. Mm. George Pickens, obviously a, a rookie. Uh, they do have some decent running backs. The offensive line seems to be coming together. With a better play caller, do you, th- do you think this team is that much better on offense? Well, me and you haven't really talked about this. In the preseason, uh, I did say best quarterback, uh, better than Trubisky. And I thought if if all things being equal, that, you know, I didn't think that they were a Super Bowl team with Trubisky, even if he did work out. Yeah. And so I was ready to accept, you know, that this wasn't going to be a Super Bowl year. And I'm like, you pick Pickett in the first round, you know, you want to give him a shot. I understood them, you know, erring on the side of caution. And and I think they the plan was to get him through, you know, to the, well, you know, it didn't work. The best laid plans of mice and men, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But had they started picking, I think that they would have, somebody said, well, they'd already be winning the division. Well, Watt would have still got hurt, you know. And the reason the Steelers' record was so bad is because Watt was gone. What yeah. was that? If they'd had a little more offense in some of them games, I think they would have won some of them. Uh, but Pickett would definitely be farther along in his development because you could see 
Trubisky's been around six years. You kind of know what you got. You're hoping that he's going to pick it. You see, he has a lot of things that make you believe he has the it factor. So my question is, if the Steelers would have started Pickett immediately to begin the year, you know, because again, he was the third string quarterback. He he was working with the third string guys at practice. It was during the season before he got to play with the first string and even at practice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it stunted his growth some. Where do you think they'd be if they'd have started picking from the beginning? I think they would have exactly one more win than they do now. I really do. I think the uh what 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 game is it? Was it the second game of the year? It was one of the games they lost really close. Uh, the last drive of the game was just really – there was stuff open that Trubisky wasn't throwing that Pickett would have. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they would have won one more game. And I think we'd be looking right now uh, at, at really getting back into the, the to the playoffs. And I also think if Kenny Pickett starts from the beginning, you don't see that Chase Claypool trade. Because the Steelers would be a game further ahead, a game better in it. At the bye week, you're sitting there saying, we can still get back into this. And I don't think we see the Claypool trade, uh, which I think has been a, it's a good trade. Obviously, we don't have three receivers. I made a big deal about this uh, in all of my stuff this week because it's so bad. The, the, the receivers behind Pickett and Johnson are mm-hmm. so much of a drop off uh, from even those two. And I mean, Pickett's Pickett's a rookie. Pickens is a rookie. Uh, Deontay Johnson is not playing his best football at all. And I, the drop off from them to to the guys behind them is incredible. It's not they're not really viable number three receivers. So, but I, what if what if they would have not signed Johnson? Because I'm telling you, what I'm seeing moving forward with Pickett. And you have Pickens, and I think Fryermuth is going to become a, a huge part of the offense yeah. and a, like a security blanket for Pickett because he's so reliable and he, he's good after the catch. All these that Johnson is not. I was like, I don't want him overpaying Johnson, you know, when he was doing his hold in. And now, in hindsight, yeah, the Steelers, you know, would probably be maybe looking at. They might have tried to trade Johnson if they hadn't assigned him to the bigger contract. And you might be looking at Claypool, Pickens, and the rest of them. Um, but I think they they might be farther ahead if they would have done that. Uh, because I still question that decision. Because, yeah. again, a guy saying, hey, I need more targets. Those targets. He does nothing after the catch, and then he drops touchdowns. So, besides going backwards. So what I'm saying is now that makes that contract look even worse. Well, fortunately it's only two, two years. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Shannon, uh, we need to get wrapping up here. So let's get on to our predictions for this game. What do you see the score being in this week? Well, I've been picking against them and, uh, They've won two of the three, uh, so I don't I don't want to break from tradition. But honestly, I think they do match up well with Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta does well can counter, and um, I believe that the Steelers that Pickett is going to take that next step. Uh, 
I think they can move the ball. Uh, you know, he can he can attack the Atlanta not just with the running game, but they can attack through there uh, with Pickens and uh, Fryermuth. Um, and I believe the Pittsburgh is going to win. I think Pittsburgh is like uh, favored by one, and uh, which they changed it. You know, earlier in the week it was they were underdogs, but then they changed it. Um, I think Pittsburgh is going to score the. Most weeks they've scored. And so I'm thinking it's going to be something like a 27-17 with Atlanta scoring uh, maybe something late to get to 17. But I think it, it'll be like a 27-17 score. All right. I have a slightly different take here. I think I think, I think think the Steelers are going to be in a little bit of trouble in this game. I think it's – people we're – all, we're all looking at it like they're going to find – like they're going to finally have a chance to like step up and win a clean game and, and just kind of put themselves ahead of the other team and, and put a team away. And uh, this team is not a team that does that. So I'm going to go still with the Steelers win, but I'm going to go 17, 14. Mm. And I think this is going to be a, a late decided victory. And I think the Steelers are probably going to trail for a bit, even though I, I do think they're going to, they're going to have some success against it's keeping Atlanta from scoring points. Have you watched Atlanta's defense this year? <laughs> I know. I know. If they hit, I, just, if they hit, I just, I'm trying to figure it out because I'm looking at this. Put anybody like, to 17. <laughs> I don't, okay. Let's add 10 to both of those. Let's do 27 24. How about that? Okay. Yeah. I said 27 17. So it, it's pretty close. I just think that, um, you know, it can happen. But, yeah. it, you know, I, this team's not good enough to be overconfident. Um, I think the Steelers are finally getting some rhythm, and Atlanta's defense has been, you know, they match the Steelers offense matches up well against Atlanta's defense as well. So yeah, um, hopefully I'm right, and hopefully we're both right, and they can win. And but I'm mainly watching for that improvement. I want to yeah. see this this you know trend continue upward. I want. I also I also think we're going to see Matt Canada uh, get a, get a little get a little creative in this game. And I, I don't know how well that's going to go because he uh. is facing a guy <laughs> in Arthur Smith who it basically runs a better version of what he does. Yeah. Like just schemes it, runs it and calls it so much better, so much better than Matt Canada. Uh, and if, and really if the offense doesn't show up in this game, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's, you, you almost have to, you, you almost have to fire the guy at the end of the season if you if you can't run the ball and counter what what Atlanta does here. I All think right, that Tim. during the during the bye week, I think the motto was "Keep it simple, stupid." Yeah, and they need to do that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they can manage it. We'll see if they can manage it. Hopefully, they can. All right, Shannon. Let people know what you got coming. Uh, any articles? Any shows? Whatever you have. Uh, just got uh, the stock report article. Somebody had asked earlier. It, uh, uh, you know, we're a short week with the Monday night game. Everything's been condensed, so uh, the stock report will be out tomorrow. And um, uh, some interesting observations from Monday night. So check that out. And uh, uh, that's all I got going on at the moment. All right, for me, I have uh, Vertex is going to be probably Friday this week. I've had a crazy week. Uh, 
and and look forward to that one. I believe it's we're we're oh it is. I shouldn't say I believe we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be talking about Kenny Pickett and his improvement and some of the plays he showed out there that kind of flashed uh, the promise he shows for his future. Uh, that's I think he's he's showing he's going to be a talent in this league. Not a maybe not a superstar, uh, but a good quarterback for this team and and a guy who you can win games with. Uh, so look forward to that. Did you see the similarities watching Matt Ryan uh, just in in his his building his his, heart, his arm strength and stuff of that nature? Uh, you know, you think about it, Matt Ryan was the MVP. You yeah. know, he don't get put in the conversation with. Mahomes and Allen and and those guys with the huge arms and all, but you know if you can play quarterback, you're accurate and can have process quick and anticipation. You know he fits the bill. Yep, absolutely does. He absolutely does. All right, that is our show for this week. Uh, I want to thank everyone for for tuning in and listening. Thank you to everyone in the live chat who's been talking with us, correcting me, uh, <laughs> asking ten questions. Thank you so much. Thank you uh, so much to our guest this week. It was great having her on. Uh, great insights on the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Everyone listening, everyone watching us here, make sure you have a great week. And as always, let's go Steelers. Steelers.